0: Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about phone sex and death so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Brazen Virtue by Nora Roberts. Joining us to discuss this propaganda romance novel is phone-phobic Christine, our resident Nora Roberts expert. Hello, Christine.
1: Hey, guys.
0: Welcome back. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Welcome back also to all our listeners from our little break that we took.
2: Mm-hmm. It's 2022, starting a new year with the with same old Nora Roberts energy with the book from 1988 to really like, get us moving.
0: <laughs> uh, and right at the top, I want to do a content warning for the book. It discusses rape, murder, there's a lot of fat phobia. In our discussion, we probably won't get deep into the first two, but we'll probably get pretty deep into the fat phobia. That sounds like us. Yes. I did, I wrote, here's what I wrote in the document. I 99% unironically loved this book. The 1% is the unnecessary but unsurprising fat phobia. It is, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, uh, all cops are bastards. Yes. But I love a crime procedural. I love a murder show. I love anything of that vein. And that is very much what this is. It was the perfect ratio of like 70% mystery solving to about 30% romance. Uh, really, aside from like the really ridiculous and unnecessary fat phobia, it did. It felt like a good way to bring in 2022 for me personally.
2: For me, I always want to like couch my complaints about, you know, mysteries and crime procedurals uh, with. I I don't want to seem, like, smug about it or whatever. Like, I know there was a big backlash when, you know, a- after, like, 2020 and, like, mass waves of white people were suddenly like, oh, wait, cops have been doing this this whole time? Like, cops are bad? And then there were all these think pieces that were like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is copaganda. And, like, there was a big, like, wave of, like, in my corner of the internet, everyone was like, oh, like, CSI is copaganda. Like, everything's copaganda and these shows are bad. It's like, well, they're, like, super popular um, with a lot of people. And I just have never liked them. If you listen to this podcast, like, you kind of know that's not really my brand. I don't really – I've never really liked mysteries. And, like, yes, certainly I, too, have had an increased awareness of, like, how actually terrible real-life American cops are, like, in the last few years. Not that I ever was, like – I think cops are great, but you know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to like turn this into a whole thing, but what I want to say is that I'm not trying to come at this from a, a like totally like woke smug thing. Like I always knew cops are bad. It's just like, I don't really like mysteries
0: and I don't really like this. And that's (laughs) it's (laughs) like, like, I I just don't like it. (laughs) I think kind of what you're trying to say is that you do believe that people can hold separate in their mind that real life cops are terrible frequently and systemically but that fictional cops are can be good like i i think that is kind of what the what you're trying to like name at there thank
2: you for thank you for unpacking that (laughs) but that you personally also don't care for fictional cops i don't fuck them
1: (laughs) 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 well maybe maybe next time uh renata do you like like royalty romances because she has a couple where there's like Oh, Secret Prince, you know, Dates, Commoner. We could investigate some of those.
2: If I'm ranking it, I like royalty more than cops, I guess. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. I feel like we should do the ghost ones at some point, but I feel like that's also a discussion for the future because right now we have read this one, and for better or worse, we do need to discuss it. Yeah,
2: talking about this one. Um, another thing we should say. I don't know. Speaking of like the politics of Nora Roberts and the politics of propaganda and like fucking whatever. uh, This was recently released on Netflix as a movie, uh, and the movie is just called Brazen, which. Makes sense because i don't think brazen virtue makes sense as a title on like any level like it doesn't make sense as a phrase it doesn't make sense with this book it's just kind of like a weird little word salad attached to this book i think it's
1: supposed to be like sexy virtue but they didn't want to say sexy virtue so they said brazen
2: but what's virtuous about it the sexiness okay <laughs> <laughs> what about horny virtue <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't, I also think maybe that wouldn't have passed the cover meeting.
0: (laughs) All right. It's also not like lifted from the book. Nowhere in the book is the phrase Breeze and Virtue. So it's just nonsense. No. And
2: it's book two of a series called Sacred Sins. And the first book in the Sacred Sin series is called Sacred Sins. And it's like, well, Virtue is not a sin. It's like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't fit. Anyway, so they shortened it for the Netflix movie, which is just called Brazen, which, like, fine. But they announced when they they announced this movie that Alyssa Milano would be playing the main character and conservative Nora Roberts fans complained about it because Alyssa Milano is, like, too liberal and they don't like her, which is kind of funny because I also feel like a lot of liberals also don't like Alyssa Milano for being kind of, like, a well-meaning white feminist who's kind of, like, doesn't always get the mark... I'm, I would describe myself as neutral on Alyssa Milano, but I feel like on both sides, there's people who kind of, like, don't love her. But anyway, Nora Roberts, like, gave a great statement saying, um, here we go. I spoke my piece, I posted it publicly, and stand by it and Ms. Milano. To those who state they'll never read my work again due to differing political viewpoints or opinions, or because a talented, experienced actor will play a role, I can only say that's their choice. I believe Ms. Milano and I will survive it. Mic drop. Like, yeah, Nora Roberts and Alyssa Milano are going to go like roll around in their piles of money and they're going to be fine.
1: Wait, who's the boss? Nora Roberts is.
2: (laughs) Big time. Big time. It's a much longer statement that I really enjoy. I will link to it. But I I would say I liked Nora Roberts' statement about Alyssa Milano more than I liked either the movie or the book. But that's just me.
1: Listen, every Nora Roberts- movie is just not good. So it the likelihood <laughs> yeah. of it being good was just low.
2: Cuz I think what I think what I like the most about Nora Roberts books is just sort of like I was going to say the writing which is so stupid like <laughs> doing a podcast and, and what I like about her books is the writing but like just sort of like the descriptions and like the way that she like get into a character's point of view and, like, the voice of it, I guess, maybe, is a smarter way of saying the writing. Like, her voice and the way that she can make each character so distinct in and, and just, like, a few paragraphs, really. And it's, it's harder to do that in a movie, especially when it's, like, a 90-minute Netflix movie starring Alyssa Milano. Like, it's just not conveying the same, like, energy.
0: I feel, too, like... I feel and I've only watched a couple of movies based on her books and I haven't watched this one but I do feel like they try to devote so much time to the romance that they're not really grasping the like ratio of events in the book. Yeah definitely
1: and it's kind of interesting Renata part of what I think makes her so good at at doing like different characters perspectives and stuff she actually does something and she has her entire career that a lot of editors frown on and and that is she will switch perspectives in the same paragraph or in yeah. the same chapter
2: yeah big time. and
1: I think it's great and I hate that you nobody else can do it I hate that it's like a rule you can't do because I think it's great but only she can do it apparently
0: well it feels to me like because I've read other books that have done that and I get really confused like even some books were like they switch perspective In a different chapter, like, you know, each chapter is a different character. There are some authors who just can't make the distinction clear, when you jump from one point of view to the other. And I think one of her talents as a writer, is that she can, like the only time I really get confused when it happens is if one is if there's the switch happens, like on the next page. So I've like clicked to the next page. And then it's a different point of view, because that's not the way that my brain is thinking about the page change. Um, But most of the time, like she does it really smoothly, in a way that's really effective that I don't always see when people try to attempt any kind of POV change like that.
2: And I think because she's so good at developing a character that each character has a distinct, clear voice. Like, you can't do this if your writing isn't strong enough that your characters all kind of sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. She's good at it. She's a good writer. I just didn't love this book. But I guess we could get into what this
0: book is about. I guess. It's about Alyssa Milano. (laughs) So the book opens with a phone sex date appointment call call (laughs) happening on screen as uh, a woman Uh, on the page on the page right. There's no screen because there's writing in this, unlike movies.
2: I just Uh, want to be clear that this is phone sex only because the movie does update it to cam girls, which I have a lot to say about, but I'll say it later. Okay. This is Phone Sex.
0: Um yeah, so it's this this woman named Kathleen who is a divorced school teacher and she's doing this uh as an after hours job. Uh and she has like a sexy phone call with a mysterious man and someone thinks that uh he is excited to meet with her soon in person in like a creepy foreshadowing way.
2: Yes. And when I was first reading through this, like the guy she's having the call with is Mr. Drake. And I at first assumed that Mr. Drake was the one excited to meet her. But when I was rereading to put my notes on it is actually clear that it's a third unnamed man. I just wasn't expecting it to be a third man. But it is.
0: From there we move to Grace, who is actually the star of this book. Uh and she is flying into DC. Grace is a novelist, a mystery novelist. She's like super successful, super rich. And uh, she's coming to visit her sister Kathleen because, you know, the divorce just happened, and she feels really bad for her. And she wants to spend some time with her at the end of her book tour. And she kind of goes into a little bit of exposition about how she was always kind of like freewheeling and dreamy and like, sexy and cool. And Kathleen has always been very like, by the book, super organized, you know, very type A type a and very like emotionally cut off and because of that they've never really like super bonded
2: grace is like a manic pixie dream crime novelist she's just she's like so beautiful and everyone like you know she's here to to bring a touch of whimsy to your life but also murder
0: yes so kathleen picks grace up from the airport and drives her to the new house she's renting and foreshadowing, when they first get out of the car, outside of the house that Kathleen is renting, Grace looks over at the house next door, which is starting to be under construction and says like, ah, like, if I owned that house, I would do this, that and the other thing. And I would like, that's a beautiful house. That's the sort of house that I would live in. And you know has those completely random thoughts as she walks into the house which is more foreshadowing
2: yeah it's it's like some other to nora roberts loves cops and she loves hgtv i think before hgtv was even a thing like she loves home renovation so there's a lot of grace being like oh like your neighborhood has so much character and these houses are like this kind of house like like a lot of home improvement narration that i also did not care about
1: I mean, her husband now was a contractor, so I feel like some of this is just, like, self-inserting.
2: Maybe no, her- absolutely, yeah.
1: Which is fine.
2: Yeah. It's fine. I love that for Nora. She can do it all she wants. It's just not my favorite thing.
0: <laughs> uh, so once they're inside, uh, Grace starts sort of needling Kathleen about the divorce. She's shocked that Kathleen doesn't have any custody of her son, and... Kathleen explains that she agreed to a no fault divorce and gave full custody to her ex-husband, Jonathan, because he was emotionally abusive and he has like temper problems and like put their gardener in the hospital because he beat the shit out of him because he like moved a rose bush to the wrong place. And-,
2: and, and he is like super rich from like a rich family and Kathleen's like from a normal family.
0: And we get in Kat- some of Kathleen's narration that like she doesn't know how to be someone who's not like Mrs. Jonathan's wife. She had Breeze- spent all her Bree- something like that, yeah. Um, she'd spent all her time there making friends with like her husband's friends' wives and like being a society lady. That like now that she's back home essentially, like, living, like, close to the neighborhood where she grew up, teaching at her high school. Uh, She really doesn't know, like, how to be a person. Mm -hmm. But she is, now that she's out of the house and away from the abusive ex-husband, trying to hire lawyers to come up with a custody arrangement where she'll get to see her son, Kevin, and also has hired a detective to kind of dig into her ex-husband, Jonathan. And that is the point where Grace says oh, well, like, I can help you pay for that. It sounds really expensive. And Kathleen shuts her down and says, like, I don't need any of your money. I can do it on my own. And tells Grace that she has her own way of making her money to do this. And that is as a phone sex worker.
2: Mm -hmm. By the way, like, that's great. Like, you know, do phone sex work, if that's what you want to do. If I had a super rich sister who was like, let me pay your legal bills, like, honey, no question. Thank you. Thank you so much for offering. I this is a character trait that comes up so often, and I don't really get
0: it. (laughs) As a person who refuses financial help and can't bring herself to ask people for help when she needs it. I do understand that. But if, of the but if she's rich rich
2: though if she's flying first
0: class it's like- still it's hard even if they're rich rich even if they won't miss the money like i don't want to get into it um because there are some situations that i've been in that i don't necessarily want to air out but like it is difficult but i also think that part of her refusal is not that kind of like pathological need to not ask for help that I have. And part of it is that she just, she and Grace sometimes like do not get along and she is somewhat resentful of Grace's career and money.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And that's clear, but nevertheless.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, well, I can tell you some stories about resisting help. Financial help from people who are better off than you. But we won't get into that now. We will get into the fact that Grace uh, is initially very skeptical of this phone sex line. And the more she thinks about it, the more she actually thinks that it's like a brilliant idea. It's 1988, remember? So now that sexually transmitted diseases are on the upswing and people are nervous about casual sex, you know, having phone sex as a, a way of communicating with people to get like your rocks off is actually a really interesting idea. She um, thinks about like asking Kathleen if she can sit in and get some ideas for a future book. And most importantly, Kathleen goes into explicit foreshadowing detail of how the transactions work. The callers never know the person's, re- the um, sex worker's real name. They never know their address or even their phone number. Uh, they call the office and request a particular girl or request like anyone. They give the office their credit card number and then the girl will call them back collect.
2: Calling them collect like really sent me. Can you even still place collect calls? I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> Who <laughs> use this a phone
1: anymore? Yeah, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, there's a lot of detail about just like the exact mechanics of how Fantasy Incorporated like works as a business.
0: Yes. So uh, the next we get, I think, another point at this point. Kathleen's taking some calls and there's another, like someone listening in on the line. Oh, Kathleen's name, her phone sex name is Desiree. Mm -hmm. and there's we get another shot of someone um well another blurb i keep talking about this like it is the movie but it's not and i haven't even seen it uh another blurb from this guy who's like really horny for desiree and listening in on her calls and then we get uh by the way sorry at this point like very early on we learned that her like sex pervert
2: follower his name is gerald the son of a j and i hate this
1: (laughs) that's how you know he's evil because yeah a j.
2: if you're sorry if you're listening and your name is gerald with a j i feel bad for you son i'm just so sorry
0: i feel like it also this spoiler alert the gerald is fairly young in the book and would have been born in like it just is a weird name even for that like generation gerald yeah. with a j it's very strange
2: also, by the way, the Netflix movie is set modern day, but the kid's name is still Gerald with a J, which I feel like <laughs> explains his behavior.
0: And it does It does feel like if some if a kid was named Gerald with a J today, I'd be like, ah, oh, like, it's one of the, those weird parents who need to change the spelling so their kid's name will be unique. Yeah.
2: Although, the name Jerry is with a J. <laughs> is, is Gerald with a yeah, J? Yeah, but never- Jerry
1: is short for Gerald, which is spelled with a G. Like, I have an Uncle
2: Jerry. Yeah right I'm just saying like it comes you know what we don't have time to get into the etymology of Gerald with a J but I didn't like it yeah (laughs)
0: So chapter two starts uh, with Grace waking up and looking out her window and seeing the uh, hot neighbor in the hat in the yard of the house that she had been thinking like could be so beautiful with a little work doing like constructiony things or whatever people do when they work on houses. And she shouts to get his attention and they chat a little bit and flirt a little bit out the window. And we get from The gentleman's perspective his name is ed that she looks super familiar to him and he can't quite place it um and it's not just because her sister lives there and like he's used to seeing her sister like something about her is familiar to him and he comes over a little later and has a copy of one of her books and is like ah i see you're this famous mystery author whose work i really love and i'm a cop and i love your books and can can you sign this one for me (laughs) Listen, this is very important
1: information here. Ed is one of very few Nora Roberts characters that has a full beard.
2: He's Mm. a full
1: bearded man. This does not happen a lot in Nora's world.
2: He's described as looking like Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Parentheses complimentary, I guess.
1: He's also a redhead.
2: Yeah, redheaded man
1: with a full beard. She likes. That is the, uh, the other man I'm thinking of, also is a redhead with full beard. So,
2: a <laughs> little bit of a type, I guess. Yeah, r- red hair is rare. If you've got it, you should try to have as much of it as possible.
1: <laughs> guess so. <laughs>
2: uh, by the way, Grace writes her mystery novels under the name G.B. McCabe, like the initials. And he's like, G.B. McCabe. Uh, by the way, here's a quote I pulled. When Grace finds out that Ed is a cop, she says to him, I'm crazy about cops. Some of my best characters are cops. Okay. Like, again, it's the 80s. And I know we haven't had, like, as, a, as white people, full anti-cop backlash. But that's a wild thing to say.
0: So they chat a little bit. And he, she kind of talks him into taking her around the station at some point so that she can, like, you know, just brush up on cop work. And also they're flirting. And um, they decide to go out to dinner that night. And then the best thing in the book happens Um, we cut to ed and his partner ben driving around in the um in their their car doing police stuff and they stop at the hardware store so that ed can get some like i don't know i think yeah construction stuff that construction people get And he tells Ben to go get a cup of coffee at the convenience store across the street. And Ben does. And he realizes when he goes inside that a robbery is about to take place. And there's just these like three pages where it's just been like stopping a convenience store robbery in progress and like wrestling the guy to the ground and getting the knife out of his hand. And like, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. And I'm crazy. Like, I love it. I something about it i was just like this is the greatest thing i've ever heard in my life what is this doing in here it's pointless it never comes back it doesn't tie into anything and i love it it's like it's like Nora roberts was writing west wing fix-it fan fiction (laughs) but like 13 years before that even happened on the west wing it's just so absurd and maybe i'm just crazy because we haven't been podcasting for a while so it's all like built up inside my brain but I. It was it was amazing. I love it well, so much. Kate, hey, if if you recall, way back in Naked in Death, she
1: also has uh Eve Dallas stop a convenience store robbery. So I think maybe <laughs> it's
2: just a, a thing she likes.
0: Yeah. Oh it was just so pointless.
2: <laughs> I loved it. Well, t- two things I'll say. Sacred Sins, book one of this is the story of Ben getting with his wife Tess, so maybe it was supposed to be like, Hey, you you read Sacred Sins. Like, remember Ben? Here's him, anyway so maybe there was a little bit of that but B, I, I didn't like this I was like this is pointless why are we doing this and like with convenience stores like workers are always told just to, like let the robbery happen because insurance will cover it like man just let him rob it why are you being such a fucking narc god <laughs> oh it's literally your job to be a narc
0: I don't care <laughs> I don't like you <laughs> it, was, it was just like it was unhinged and I feel unhinged about it like I got to that part and literally like normally I'm kind of like uh, I don't know what I want to do for a dramatic reading like re- one page into this like completely unhinged wild bonkers thing that happens in like chapter three of this book I was like this is my dramatic reading
2: by the way for the Netflix movie I guess you'll be pleased to know they kept that and like it's a full like <laughs> they destroyed the convenience store there's like chips everywhere and I was just watching it like you should just take it. <laughs> So it's gonna cost to more it. to like it's gonna cost more to like replace all these chips you crushed <laughs> that's fair I didn't even think about that was trying to save it Ugh, you know
0: I mean I will say I will say that cost wise if they have insurance for robberies then I'm sure insurance would cover that but yes I do I, get your point as someone who is not like just wild about this
2: yeah yeah you're right the insurance will cover the but then the, then you gotta throw the chips out. <laughs> or just eat them all on the floor.
1: <laughs> or now I just can't stand the uh, the wastefulness.
0: <laughs> um, so, outside of the convenience store robbery, uh, <laughs> back with Grace and Kathleen. Grace is uh, puttering around Kathleen's house and isn't actually makes a point of saying that she wasn't being nosy. She was just looking for a pencil. And when she opened up the drawer the pencils were in, she saw three bottles of Valium, all made out to different names. <laughs>
2: Oh, I think, I think the timeline is off because I think she actually finds this before the date and before the convenience store robbery. Well, the convenience yeah.
0: store robbery happens before the date.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Convenience store robbery, then finding
0: the Valium. Then yes. The
2: date.
1: I mean, I keep my Valium with my pencils, so I, that's oh, rang totally true to me, for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always go get my drugs under separate names from different pharmacies totally. and keep them with my pencils. I mean, they let you do that so easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well it was 1988 and all the cops were busy
1: that's fair <laughs> they're stopping all those convenience store robbers.
0: yeah uh so grace confronts kathleen about this and kathleen like loses her shit and says like well i'm just taking them because the divorce is so stressful and you always judge everything i do and like you know this is why i didn't want to tell you anything because like you know i can't live my own life you need to have like they have a huge fight and grace considers staying home and trying to patch it up but ultimately decides that like she and kathleen both need to cool off so she goes off for her date with ed i mean kathleen
1: it's the it's the 80s nobody did valium everybody was doing coke so like <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> or pcp which we'll discuss later <laughs> kathleen also specifically is like no i've like booked a shift with fantasy inc like i'm busy Which the Fantasy Inc. seems to sort of operate on like a babysitter's club model. It's true, it does.
1: It was the (laughs) original work from home.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, and again, I have no complaints with Fantasy Incorporated's business model. They seem like they run a tight ship. They just were not prepared for Gerald with a J. And who could be?
0: Who could be? I want to touch upon this at the end um, about the whole conceit of this book. But so Grace is off for dinner with Ed. And while she is gone, Gerald with a J breaks into Kathleen's house and keeps calling her Desiree. And at first is upset. She doesn't look like Desiree said she would look, but then like in his mind she does. And he rapes her and then murders her with a, phone cord strangles her. And then when Ed takes Grace home, tragically, of course, she finds Kathleen's body and Ed calls his other cops to come to the scene. So there's a bunch of crime scene stuff. There's a lot of like Grace freaking out and being numb and trying to give her statement. And immediately she's like, oh, like it's her ex-husband. Like she told me that her ex-husband has a temper and was abusive and like kill, almost killed their gardener and did kill, I guess, content warning for this, a cat. Yeah. Hated it. Yeah. And all this other stuff, like they need to find Jonathan, like he's the one who did it.
2: Although, so Jonathan lives in Seattle, Washington, and they're in the other Washington, so there is a bit of a uh, travel problem. Yeah. But Grace is like, he's rich. He could hire someone to do it, which is a good point.
0: So the next day, Ed and Ben are doing a, you know, knocking on all the doors to see if anyone saw what happened. And I'll let you talk about this part, Renata. Well, so... When we, when Christine suggested doing this
2: book because of the movie, um, she was like, "And there's this character that I can't wait for you guys to meet named Mrs. Kleppinger. Is it Kleppinger? It's Kleppinger. Kleppinger." Christine was like, "Mrs. Kleppinger, you got to meet her. She's great, and uh, she is great. She's got a bunch of cats. They go it. It's like very classic, like Simpsons cat lady kind of vibes, just like covered in cat hair, but." Also, she believes in past lives and she says that she knew Kathleen because they were at the like, what was it like the Battle of Antietam or something like she says they were like in the Civil War. Vicksburg, thank you. they were in the Civil War together. She does seem to have been a Confederate in her past life, which is like minus sign in her column. But other than that, everything's great. I just loved it. That that to me was like the convenience to robbery for Kate, where it's like this doesn't (laughs) this doesn't really contribute anything, but I'm living. (laughs) And she does actually provide some helpful clues actually, but it's buried in with two like we the reader realize it's helpful, but because it's buried in with so much like past life regression shit, they just like kind of write her off. And that's that's on them. It's true. Wait,
1: is that in the Netflix movie?
2: Not to this extent there's a brief thing i don't even think she's in it i think they mentioned like one of the neighbors said something about like knowing her in a past life or something it's like you kept the convenience for robberman at this fuck you guys
1: this is what i'm talking about with the things that they focus on you could have <laughs> cut one sex scene and put the mrs
0: Cleppinger scene in and it would have been way better
2: yeah hard agree
0: I, you know, I haven't seen it, but I would actually agree with that as well.
2: Yeah.
0: So after we cut then to um Kathleen and Grace's parents are coming and there's a lot of funeral preparations. And we also see Gerald with a J. He sends flowers to Desiree's funeral. And then is just we get a lot of like backstory for him and he mentions that his like father is running for president and is the front runner and also he's on every drug in the world
2: it's just like he's doing jay's journal oh my god jay's <laughs>
0: journal is Gerald's journal
2: <laughs> i just blow the microphone with that revelation i don't care it's important it goes all the way to the top oh shit oh should i like this book now <laughs> You've just made it better. (laughs) I do want, by the way, Jay's Journal of course, was the the anonymous book that we read last year. If you aren't familiar with that episode, it was like, go ask Alice, but about cults and drugs. And it's, and it's this kid, Gerald with a J. (laughs) I want to say also we kind of like blipped over the president or not the president we blipped over the funeral stuff but some of I really like that I think this is the stuff that Nora Roberts does so well is like these parent characters are only in it for like a couple chapters and only partial chapters because we have to like keep cutting to like Gerald the J and whatnot but like you just get such a sense of their relationship, like you really feel for the parents, but you feel for Grace because she realizes like, oh, no, like I have to be the mom now because my parents can't handle this. And it's just like really moving. And it's like really well rendered relationship in like a pretty short time.
0: Yeah, it's it's very good. And we also I think it's interesting um, when we when we're at the funeral, uh, after we find out that Gerald with a J sent flowers, Jonathan with a J. Jonathan with a J, Kathleen's ex-husband shows up, and there's like a whole conversation between him and Grace when like, she's confronting him, where he's like, you know, yeah, you believe everything she said, but like, she's not the person you think she is. And I think you know that. Like, I think deep down, you know that all of the things that she fed you about why she left are not the full story. And... Like paints kind of a different picture of Kathleen, where like she was more obsessed with, you know, being a wife and mother as a role than she necessarily was being Jonathan's wife and Kevin's mother. Yeah. And it's like with no excuse for Jonathan if, you know, of him being like abusive and, you know, killing a cat and all this stuff. Unforgivable but it is like as as he's saying it grace does like have to admit that that sounds more in line with how kathleen always has been and that she she has to kind of reckon with that now that kathleen is gone that it's not just like the good memories and the virtuous memories but kathleen also was kind of had a lot of issues
2: yeah, and then just like the ongoing sadness of like and now I can never patch things up with my sister and now it's like always going to be this unresolved thing. Like it's it's sad and it's good and I just and I just don't like the rest of the book.
0: <laughs> so Ben and Ed go to talk to the people who own Fantasy Incorporated and the woman, um can't remember her name. Eileen. Eileen. Uh, like walks them through the security that they have in place to protect the women who work there. You know, it's like my, my client information is confidential. There wasn't, we we've never had issues with like, or or Kathleen's never had issues with a client. There's no way that a client could figure out where she lives. Uh, and I'm not going to give you any of my client records unless you come back with a warrant. So they're like, okay, well, good we job. Will. Eileen know your rights.
1: <laughs> come on, Eileen. <laughs> i'm just gonna drop some 80s puns sorry
2: no great we're we're in 1998 baby they're right on time
0: so here comes i think kind of the crux of my disappointment with the book like the thing that really just the entire time i was shaking my head we meet now another woman who works for fantasy incorporated her name is mary Her fake sex phone name is Roxanne, and there is a lot of words dedicated to how fat Mary is and how she's never had sex in real life because she's so fat, and she, like, has no friends, and she's, like, 70 pounds overweight, which is, like, just pointless. She's just a giant, gross blob, and all she cares about is food and
2: like she's a she's an accountant so she makes good money but as a phone sex operator she uses her extra income to buy more food and then it describes her eating like chips and it's like chips cost like two dollars like you this is un, like her this is just like mean and also like getting into you know the, the kind of arbitrary pointlessness of like bmi and like weight goal numbers or whatever but like if somebody's 70 pounds overweight, like, Nora describes her as, like, her neck had disappeared. Like, she's, like, totally shapeless. If Depending on, like, what height and build somebody is, if they're 70 pounds overweight, like, they, they're they not going to look, like, I, I don't know. I feel like Nora's describing her as someone who's, like, 600 pounds. Like, that my 600-pound life show or something. Like, that's sort of the vibe of it. She's just, like, in bed and eating all the time. And it's like if she's seventy pounds overweight, like she can shop at Lane
0: Bryant, like she's like, oh. yeah. Here's I think I'm I'm looking at and you know fucking BMI and ideal weight and the whole weight system is very fucked up. But I quickly googled ideal weight chart for a five foot uh, seven woman because that's how tall I am, uh, and it is one hundred and twenty two to one hundred and forty nine pounds. So going by this, I am seventy pounds overweight. And I'm hot, frankly. Yeah, big time.
2: Yeah. And also, like, people who are more fat than that can also be hot. Yes. And it can have sex.
0: Yeah, like, it's not, like, 70 pounds overweight is not, like, the be-all, end-all of someone's life. You can have, like, a normal, you know, it's not, like, the way she describes this woman is if she's essentially Jabba the Hutt.
2: Yes. And And
1: by the way, Jabba the Hutt sucks. Yeah. It's a little bit like, it's the 1980s where basically everybody was smoking and they'd really rather die than be fat. So like, cause sm- you know, you'd smoke so that you wouldn't have an appetite so that you could keep weight off. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like nowadays where people would rather die than get a vaccine. So I don't know if we've
0: like really made any strides, but. And yeah. it's it's interesting too, because she does at one point go into like, a a very brief overview of like dieting and makes a point of saying like uh, fad dieting and yo-yo dieting is bad for your body and you shouldn't do it and like okay well that's correct i pulled this whole
2: quote because this the mary roxanne of it all is like the worst and most blatant fat phobic but throughout the whole book there's tons of weird food issues on display because Ed the cop is also like a vegetarian Health food nut who's really annoying About it and everyone around him is Annoyed about it and they're all like Oh lighten up Ed like when Grace comes to dinner she's like I brought my own bag Of chips because I thought all you were going to have is Vegetables but like because Grace is Skinny and hot it's like cute that she likes Chips and like Ben Like Ben eats half a pie for Lunch and that's <laughs> fine That is fine I would, I would love some pie Right now <laughs>
0: But I mean, now like now a, I also want pie. Okay, right. Let's Definitely. after this, let's go get pie. So
2: anyway, this quote is from Ed, and I pulled it because I was mad about it. So there, Ed and Ben are talking about how the police chief is like grumpy because the chief is like on a fad diet, and and the chief is fat, and but trying to lose weight, unlike Roxanne. And so Ed says, despite popular belief, being fat does not make you jolly. Excess weight is a strain on the body, making a person uncomfortable and usually marking his disposition. Fad dieting accents the discomfort. Proper nutrition, exercise, and sleep make you happy. Which, to
0: to be clear, that last sentence is not necessarily like i would argue with the happy part because like you know depression exists and the number of times someone has told me like oh well if you get eight hours of sleep well every night you'll be happier and not have depression anymore but like this correlation between proper nu- nutrition exercise and sleep making someone not fat like that's i i just the whole thing is just so fucked up
2: and here's and by the way and here's what could be fun and if you have this like fat sexy woman who like does phone sex and maybe thinks about how like because on one hand like yes absolutely like you can be fat and a lot of people find you attractive like you don't have to be you know an a, a lonely sad person just cuz you're fat like but you know if you are fat and dating like you're putting yourself out there like for some people to be dicks about it for sure and you know i could see there being an interesting character who's like i bet some of these guys would be mad if they knew i was like like this but like they're horny for my voice and that's cool like I feel like you could do an interesting character who's like a phone sex operator and is fat and like you know that disconnect between the voice and the visual I feel like there could be something there but this
0: is not it Nora. Yeah and I think actually Um, We did forget to mention going on this rant that uh, Gerald with a J does show up and also rape and murder Roxanne.
2: Well, he only, he only, we hadn't even gotten there chronologically because he only does that after we've had like three pages about all the food she eats. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's like the sad part of it to me is I think that aside from Mary slash Roxanne, she does a good job in this book of being like, there are different, women can want different things And that's fine. Like we, cause we get another phone sex operator who is like her whole dream, her whole life has been being a wife and mother. And Mm -hmm. she like is perfectly happy doing that. She holds no like resentment or smugness towards people who are more career oriented. This is just what she wants to do with her life. And it's very like, she does. And I think in a lot of her books, she does this like show like a wide range of like, how women can be without judging them for being one way or the other so you know having if, if she were to make take out the fat phobia and have it be like you know here's a woman who's fat but like f- feels sexy and like likes to be sexy and isn't like a gross disgusting monster but like Owns her body and you know does this because we see like kathleen does the phone sex for the money um one of the other ones does it for the money one of the women that grace talks to later like enjoys just like the concept of it like i i feel like it would have been an interesting point to put in like here's this whole diversity of women who are all doing this for different reasons and they're all valid and like instead this happened
2: said this um in the movie because they're cam girls the character of roxanne is is thin and conventionally hot
1: yeah well if you think about it this is this book is actually i'll probably talk about this later again is actually kind of like a a pre naked in death which also has the three licensed companions that are killed they're very different women they want very different things so i feel like maybe a couple years later nora roberts looked back on this and went I could have done that better. And then she did.
0: Yeah. Um, We should, we should in fact move on from this because we did talk about it for a little bit here. But so after, after Roxanne is killed, we get a scene with Grace where she is looking through all of the sympathy cards and trying to figure out what to do with them. And among them, she notices that someone sent flowers to the funeral who addressed kathleen as desiree so she immediately goes to the police station to give the note to ed and ben and their boss and everything and while she's there she meets for the first time ben's wife tess who is a police consultant who's a psychiatrist and was i guess the star of the previous book sacred sins
2: why the hell did netflix make that one why did they pick this one first I'll tell you why, because they wanted to put Alyssa Milano in like a leather corset and make her do like a cam girl stuff. (laughs) Also, by the way, in this book, Kathleen explicitly doesn't do any of the S&M calls. Like she only does like vanilla sex, phone sex calls in the movie because, you know, we're living in a post 50 shades of gray world, baby. Like she is like a solo dominatrix. So she just like stands in the room and sort of like cracks a whip at no (laughs) one. <laughs> <laughs> and she wears like a sequin Phantom of the Opera mask. So, to like hide her face, but only some of her face. Jesus. So, then, yeah. So, they picked this one because then they could be like, oh, listen, Lana, now you have to be like a sexy Phantom of the Opera dominatrix, please. And I assume that doesn't happen in the other one. I mean, it doesn't even happen in this one, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Once
1: again, one less sex scene and a little more time spent on anything else. <laughs> Mrs. Kleppinger.
0: <laughs> After Grace gives the note to Ed, he, like, sends her home and tells her to, like, go wait for him, and he'll give her an update on what's been going on, but she can't be a part of this because she's a civilian. So she goes to his house and w- wallpapers his bathroom. <laughs> you know, normal. And Ed has a long phone call with his mom, apparently. Yes. Tess... Meanwhile, is like, takes a a look at the different profile, like the different cases and starts to like come up with a profile of the rapist and Ben's very much like you, I don't want you in danger. And she's like, well, tough cookies. They find out that the flowers were bought with a credit card belonging to a senator who has a teen son. And then other things happen. Just like cop shit, blah, blah, blah. We check in. We meet uh, Mary Beth, who is the the homemaker I was talking about before, uh, who's also a phone sex operator. And Gerald with a J comes after her one night when her husband and kids are out getting ice cream. And she's taken out her contacts for the night and was trying to, was going to like work on some other stuff around the house. And as he's attacking Mary Beth, her dog attacks him and scares him and then she grabs a knife and stabs him and like attacks back and he freaks out and leaves but because she took her contacts out she couldn't see him and couldn't get like a good look at him mm-hmm. and this is relatable this is this is a character
2: I can relate to
0: <laughs> if I had my
2: glasses out and somebody attacked me I'd be like I don't know it was very. It was a very blurry man in there. <laughs>
0: was it a man it might have just been a brown smudge yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it might have been a small tornado i'm not really sure something happened
0: yeah so they get some clues though yes from you know sort of what she saw and they now can officially be like okay these are all connected to fantasy incorporated, fantasy
2: incorporated. and they got some blood because she stabbed him so they can do csi shit
0: So they go and visit this Senator Morgan who they think whose credit card was used to buy the flowers and he has an alibi and has never even heard of Kathleen and his son, his teen son has an alibi and was like at the theater that night in the front row and couldn't have possibly killed Kathleen. So they start to get the idea, well, maybe it's someone smart enough to grab someone else's, to realize that we say all sorts of stuff over the phone that we wouldn't necessarily say. Like they never use the word hacker, but they're like, maybe someone is hacking. Yeah. So they the the cops, uh Ed and Ben, go to visit a former cop who is now like a high-tech spyware security consultant. And he tells them, like, yes, absolutely, you can, if you're smart enough with computers, you can listen to phone calls on the internet and like retrace phone numbers and find out addresses and do like all sorts of stuff. And they're like, okay, well we need you to like come help us because we think that that is what the person is doing. And that's how he finds all these women. Um, Meanwhile, Grace has gone to fantasy incorporated and talked to Eileen and tried to get some information out about uh, Kathleen's work there and, and any clues that Eileen might have. And when Eileen doesn't have anything for her she decides that she is going to join fantasy incorporate it and pose as her sister in an attempt to lure gerald with a j out
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and ed thinks this is a great idea guys he just comes in (laughs) he's just like wow grace this is just the best thing I've ever heard,
0: <laughs>
2: Guys, Ed sucks. <laughs> um, if you didn't gather by Christine's tone, he's like very protective. He's like, it's a bad idea, blah blah blah. And he talks about how, like, he is just very like unprotective of women. And I always imagine when I get married, like, she'll work at home and like never do things, and she'll like just want to be at, at
0: home. Um, Ed. Well, here, I mean, here's my my one defense of Ed in that particular case. When he is explaining that he always imagined that he'd have like a wife, he'd fix up his house and then find a wife and like... You know, get married and have some kids, and that his wife would be a stay at home mom and wouldn't have to work. He explicitly says that it's because his mother, he was raised by essentially a single mother who had to work so hard to raise him and his siblings that he wants to make sure that his wife never has to do that. And then he does go on to say to Grace, like, I'm in love with you, and it's so weird because you're the exact opposite of what I pictured, but I don't even care.
2: I guess.
0: (laughs) I guess he does do that. I don't like him. So that, that is that is my <laughs> my one defense of Ed. It's fine if you don't like him. That's okay. But that that would be the context I would say for yeah. his. I want my wife to stay home all day.
2: Yeah, I. It is one of that past tense, and I'm like fine that you don't. But he also kind of doesn't always seem that fine with it.
0: <laughs> anyway, so Grace sets up with the police. Ed doesn't like it, but like all of the other, like the chief and everyone. Um, agrees to it and he kind of begrudgingly is like okay like I know that you need to do this for closure and it is a good lead meanwhile Gerald with the J is starting to act out like more he always had been like a quiet kid who got like perfect grades and was a perfect you know senator's son or whatever and he, after the attack on Mary Beth that is unsuccessful, he beats the shit out of a kid at school and sends him to the hospital. By the way,
2: the names in this book are so wild. The kid that he beats up is named Randolph Lithgow.
0: That's all. <laughs> <laughs> they set up at home with what the fuck is her name with grace they set up at home with grace doing calls and like cops watching and billings uh tracing all the phone calls to see if someone else gets on the line and they do that for like two days and it doesn't yield any results oh the second day they do hear someone get on the line but not long enough to trace where it is except within like this like large like 10 block radius or something Mm -hmm. and then by chance the next day ben's wife tess the psychiatrist Trist is visiting her sister who happens to or her cousin. I was a little I think it would maybe it was her sister in
2: law. I think maybe her brother I don't I mean, know. I, There's
0: I don't think it's her sister in law. As I as I said that I was like, oh wait, because that would mean that her brother was Oh yeah,
2: the the senator. Yes, but I she's, think they're
0: cousins. But they call her the senator's granddaughter. But maybe it's a different because they, they both seem to refer to the same grandfather so i think maybe they're cousins yeah. doesn't matter she's visiting matter. this woman who she knows who she's maybe somehow related to uh who happens to be gerald with a j's mom and she said, like, oh, like this feels like a professional vi- visit. And Gerald with a J's mom is like, yeah, like it's my son. He's acting out. He's done all the these things recent- recently. I think he's on drugs. He beat up this kid. And as she's describing Gerald with a J, Tess is like, oh shit, like this is the guy. Yeah. But she can't tell anyone. Well, she claims she can't tell anyone because of confidentiality rules but one of the confidentiality things is if you know someone's going to hurt someone else or themselves, you're allowed to break that
2: this whole thing seemed unnecessary to me and i wonder if it was the same thing of like giving ben the convenience to a robbery of just like oh it's tess from the first book here's a thing she can do but like she corrects the case at the same time that like randolph lithgow calls to say he recognized Uh, Gerald with a J from the police sketch because he saw it on TV from the hospital after Gerald beat him up. Like They were all like closing in on him and it didn't really seem like they needed this test thing, but whatever. They got it.
0: But of course, now that they have a name, Ed and Ben stop protecting Grace's house and instead rush off to try and arrest Gerald with a J, but he's not there. He is, in fact, breaking into Grace's house to murder her. But luckily... I guess, question mark, she bought a gun for protection and locks herself in her bedroom. And when he breaks down the door and tries to shoot her, she shoots him first and he goes down. She, this book, this book's happy ending is that she murders a teenager. I mean, granted, it is a teenager who did a lot of murders and rapes.
2: For sure. For sure. But like, like, she could have like aimed to wound i don't know he does immediately
1: one of nora's kids must have acted up and she was just like you know what bitch (laughs) if you just
0: settle down i'll take care of you so yes that's essentially how it ends ed and ben come back and ed's like oh i'm so glad that you weren't murdered i love you let's get married he actually he asked that like way early like the first time they have sex (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which is red flag city. I'm telling you, I'm telling you Ed sucks,
2: but uh, yeah, but she's like, how I can't quite seem to say no to that, but I'm not saying yes either. And then like immediately after murdering a teenage boy, she's like, yeah, we can get married, but I won't iron your shirts. And that's literally the end of the book.
0: Yeah. uh, It ends that way. (laughs) And it's pretty
2: abrupt. In, In the movie, uh in the movie ed kills him oh
0: i see what tell us a little bit more about the movie
2: the movie makes some kind of wild changes actually maybe to me most notably that they're cam girls and she wears uh, a sequined fan of the opera mask (laughs) also one of the other cam performers like they're going through the list and they mostly have normal names like roxanne and Desiree, and then one of them is named alpha on top in all capital letters and they show alpha on top multiple times just like as a background performer and like what's what happened here let's see that should have been the
1: the Mary beth character her name should have been alpha on top (laughs) yeah that was a missed Uh, opportunity
2: but one of the other big differences is that i think in the book kathleen catholic school is all girls right yeah i'm not sure Maybe I just assumed. And anyway, the school doesn't play a big part in the book. and the movie, the school is a big part of it. And Gerald with a J is one of her students. And so is one of the other suspects. Like they start, um, they interview multiple boys at the school as suspects. And this is another, this is a wild thing that I was like, I don't know if this technology checks out. So like the cam operators have their cameras set up at their house and they have like, you know, like ring lights and like, you know what it looks like. But then they have a teenage boy who's in high school who they describe as, like, the camera operator who, like, does something at the office with the cameras. And it's like, you hired a teenage boy for this job? <laughs> a, And, like, he's a suspect. And then they're interviewing him. And he's like, well, I work there, so I'm allowed to watch them. And Ed or Ben, one of the cops, is like, "Uh, no, that's not how that works. I'm like, his job is to look at the camera feed. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like. Yeah, he seems like kind of like a little pervo, but like this does seem like literally his job is to watch these camera feeds. Um, but he didn't do it. Oh, and and he's gay. And and then so Grace uses her like mystery novel powers to be like, oh, he's gay. Like her mystery power novels include Gaydar. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's gay. And then they find out he has, because like he's being really suspicious, but it's because he has a secret boyfriend. And the secret boyfriend is one of the other suspects there's a lot of teenage boys who end up being suspects. So they sort of narrow in on that more quickly because of the school aspect of it. I think maybe because the nature, like the nature of this phone sex thing is like, you want it to be a local number. So that keeps it local versus like with cameras, it's like all over the world. And they do mention like, Oh, she had a client from Berlin, like blah, blah, blah. But by narrowing it down to the school thing, but then it does make the other ones a little bit more random. I don't know. But like half the half the suspects are like kids from the school. What else? Yeah, no no major action from Mrs. Kleppinger. Just just tragedy. I can't Yeah. And they can't like it seems like everybody at Fantasy Incorporated is does like S and M Dominatrix stuff or what if you if you're a man, you're just the Dom a Dominatro? <laughs> I don't know,
0: whatever alpha on top's gender identity is, and then all that dominatrix is. <laughs> Mentioning the technology reminded me of what I wanted to talk about at the end, which is that so this book, like we said several times, is based in 1988, set in 1988. That's the word that you use, setting. And because of that, it was very interesting to me to read this and have none of them, it not occur to any of them that like, the technology, like it could, It could have been hacked and there's ways to, like, get the address and there's ways for people to, like, tap into phone lines and to, like, get information out of computers. And I feel like if this was the plot to – if, like, everything about this was the same except that it took place in 2022, immediately, they would immediately be like, oh, well, someone clearly, like, hacked – I feel like in 1988 like this idea of like using technology to commit crimes like this was not as prevalent as it is now and that for readers like literally like the by the first chapter i was like oh it's like a hacker dude doing this like this is what's going on and this is how he's doing it and this is whatever and you know that is revealed to the reader as time goes on but i feel like that maybe wouldn't have necessarily been the case in 1988 that it would have been maybe more mysterious of like how is this happening i mean yeah because all the
2: cops are like when eileen at fantasy incorporated is like oh there's no way the cops are like oh yeah it sounds like there's no way Goodbye. Yeah, that was fine. That was interesting. I guess. <laughs> Anything else I forgot to say? Um I, I I do wanna reiterate that I do think Nora's character work is good and like the writing is good. I just like as a book, I was not into this on a lot of levels. I think this is one of her
1: she's sort of moving out of her silhouette select phase and into her era of like more bigger books so i think this is like her first mm-hmm. step in that direction where she's like okay i'm gonna go a little more murder a little more bigger story so i feel like it's just the beginning of what she's building on which she gets better at but it's not it's not one of her best mm-hmm.
2: yeah it is again I, I think it just comes down to the sexiness of like the phone sex slash cam girl aspect of it is why they pick this for netflix because otherwise i'm like Surely, since 1988, like, she's written something else that you could have picked Netflix.
0: Like, the in Death series? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why? When will we get your dream Netflix in Death series, Christine? I guess when I win the lottery and fund it myself. Because <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That's what we can do at the Commune. That's it. That's the million dollar idea somehow. We just got to get a connection with... Uh, Netflix who is really good at phone
1: sex <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean what is a podcast but G-rated phone sex
1: <laughs> alright Renata it sounds like you just <laughs> yes. volunteer yourself
2: <laughs> yeah I mean if I'm allowed to just only like read aloud Fifty Shades of Grey for my phone sex that's I could do that, I mean, is that
0: <laughs> what, I mean, we've more? already done that for free
2: yeah we've already done that I could just but we haven't done the other two books, so I'll just use that for my phone sex. (laughs) Um, I shouldn't joke about this. I feel like I feel like that's uncomfortably close to manifesting something somehow. (laughs) Let's move on. Okay. Oh no, oh no, it's time to move on to our dramatic readings. (laughs) But they're not sexy,
0: so don't get it twisted. They're a little bit sexy. Uh, I'm going first, and I, as I have mentioned 900 times, because I'm obsessed with it, to the surprise of no one, am doing the robbery scene. Downing coffee as he went, Ben walked to the cashier. He barely had time to swear when he was shoved and the coffee splashed down his shirt. Damn it, he shouted, immediately going silent and still as he saw the knife trembling in the hand of a kid of about 17. The money! The kid poked the knife at Ben as he gestured to the cashier. All of it, now! Great, Ben muttered and glanced at the woman behind the counter, who was pale and frozen to the spot. Listen, kid, they don't keep diddly in those cash registers. The money! I said, give me the fucking money! The boy's voice rose and broke. A thin trail of spittle flew out as he spoke. It was tinted with blood from the lip he had been biting. He needed a fix and he needed it bad. You'd better move your ass right now, you stupid bitch, or I'll carve your initials or I'll carve my initials into your forehead. The woman took another look at the knife and sprang into action. She grabbed the tray out of the drawer and dumped it on the counter. Loose change bounced out and hit the floor. Your wallet, he said to Ben as he began to stuff bills and silver into his pockets. It was his first robbery. He'd had no idea it could be go so easy, but his heart was still jammed into his throat, and his armpits were dripping take it out slow and put it on the counter. Okay, take it easy. He considered reaching inside his jacket for his weapon. The kid was sweating like a pig and had as much terror in his eyes as the woman behind the counter. Instead, Ben reached for his wallet with two fingers. He held it up, watching the kid's eyes follow it. Then he tossed it an inch short of the counter. The minute the kid looked down, he moved. He knocked the knife away easily. The grip was slippery with sweat. It was then that the woman behind the counter started to scream, one keening wail after the next, as she continued to stand rooted, and the kid fought like a wounded bear. Ben locked his arms around the kid's waist from the rear, and, but even as he planted his feet, they were going down over a display table. It cracked, going down with them. Ho-hos and chiclets scattered. The boy screamed and swore, flopping like a fish as he groped for the knife. Ben's elbow cracked against the frozen food cabinet hard enough to have stars dancing his, in his head. Behind him, the boy was rail thin and soaked now from a nervous bladder. Ben did what seemed easiest; he sat on him. Gosh, man, it's so <laughs> random. It's just so uh, it's beautiful to me, and I don't know why.
2: Okay, I'm glad. You, I'm glad you have this.
0: <laughs> All right,
2: Christine's going to read the true highlight of the book now.
1: Yes, let's let's. Meet Mrs. Cleffinger. Okay. Not at all. Of course, I wasn't surprised to hear about all this. Been expecting it. Ed, who'd been more concerned that Boris would let loose on his shoes, looked back at her. Have you? Oh, absolutely. The poor dear never had a chance. Past sins catch up with you. Past sins? Interested again, Ben hesitated. Did you know Mrs. Breezewell? Well? "Well?" Breezewood, well? Intimately. We survived Vicksburgs together. A dreadful battle. Why, I can still hear the cannon fire. But her aura? Mrs. Cleppinger gave a sad shake of the head. Doomed, I'm afraid. She was murdered by a group of Yankee raiders. Ma'am, we're more interested in what happened to Mrs. Breezewood last night. Ed's patience, usually generous, was running thin. Well, of course you are. Her glasses slipped down her nose so that she stared myopically over them. Such a sad woman. Repressed sexually, I'm sure. I thought she might be happy when her sister came to visit, but it didn't seem so. I can see her leave for work each morning while I'm watering my gardenias. Tense. The woman was tense. Bundle of nerves, just as I remember from Vicksburg. Then there was the car that followed her one morning. Ben sat back down. Cats or not. What car? Oh, a dark one. One of those rich cars, so big and quiet. I wouldn't have thought a thing of it. But as I was watering my gardenias, one has to be so careful with gardenias fragile things. Anyway, as I was watering, I watched the car drive down the street behind Mrs. Breeze Woods, and I got such palpitations. The woman waved her hand in front of her face as if to cool it. The glass on her fingers was too dull to sparkle in the light. My heart just pounded and skipped until I had sit right down, just like Vicksburg and the Revolution, of course. All I could think was poor Lucilla. That was her name before you knew. Lucilla Greensboro. Poor Lucilla. It's going to happen again. Nothing I could do, of course, she explained as she went back to stroking her cat. Fate is fate, after all. Truer words have never been spoken.
0: so tragic that it's not included in the movie.
1: Like, what? How do you cut that out? Like, who? I want to slap the face. of Whoever (laughs) looked at that and went, this has got to go.
2: Honestly. Okay. Well, my dramatic reading is just a little bit from Gerald with a J's point of view. He'd been born for greatness, just as his father had always told him. That's why none of the small-minded wimps who went to school with him ever came close to being his friend. The truly great, the truly powerful were never understood. But they were admired. They were revered. The time would come when he had the world in his two palms like his father. He'd have the power to reshape it. Or to crush it. He gave a quick giggle, then dug into his stash... Gerald never smoked at home. He knew the sweet smell of pot was easily detected and would be reported to his parents. When he had a yen for a joint, he took it outside. He eschewed cigarettes. Both of his parents were very active in non-smokers' rights. Any trace of smoke, tobacco or otherwise, would besmirch the purity of Hayden air. Gerald giggled again as he pulled out a prime joint with Flake. PCP angel dust. He smiled as he ran his fingers down it. A few tokes of this, and you could feel like an angel. Or Satan himself. So yeah, I do feel like Nora learned about drugs from reading, like, (laughs) Go Ask Alice and Gerald's Game. (laughs) Or not Gerald's Game. Jay's Journal. Oh my god, Gerald's Game. Everything is converging. (laughs) Uh... Like a bad dare episode. Gerald's Game and Game is with a J also. (laughs) Gerald's game. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's the future.
1: I think you've managed to improve Gerald's game,
2: though. Uh, but- but also, also, when Gerald with the J talking about drugs, literally all I could think of was that bit, that Mitch Hedberg bit when he's like, I had to do a physical and they asked me some weird questions like, have you ever tried sugar or PCP? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all of this was in Mitch Hedberg's voice to me, which didn't work for the character, but it was really funny to me.
1: Oh, R.I.P. Mitch Hedberg. Uh,
2: but also, the POV here, I feel like if you read, well, what's his name? Baron Trump. I feel like Baron Trump's diary is probably this, also. <laughs> That's all of what this is. It's Baron Trump, it's Gerald's Jame, and it's Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> Your Roberts is an oracle,
1: y'all. She's looking <laughs> into the future.
0: <laughs> I don't know why Gerald's Jame is so. To me. No, thank you. Because it is. I don't,
2: I don't know. It just is. Uh, by well, the way, this is a while ago at this point. Gerald's Game is a, a C tier Stephen King novel that we read a while ago, if you don't know. Kate, this year's Halloween party's theme should be Gerald's Game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh no. Kid Kate. Whoops. Oh my god. Everybody come (laughs) as your favorite (laughs) James. Uh
2: uh somehow we must carry on and try to do readers advisory and suggest things to read instead of, or in addition to brazen virtue, aka Gerald's (laughs) James. I don't have anything, honestly. I didn't like this book, and I don't read books that are like this other than like other Nora Roberts books. And then I do have my review of Brazen on Netflix, which is Skippable, is my review.
0: I feel like we've liked, well, we, I feel like Renata has liked other, the other. Nora's that we've covered I did she's our
2: lady Nora Roberts I just did not love this one
0: so maybe check out because I was going to say like we like we've liked but I did like this one but yeah the other ones that we've covered we've got a bunch of episodes on her yeah we we read Tribute was that what it was called with our book club yeah we did make our we made our like normal it's not normal
2: (laughs) but it's not a worst bestsellers book club read this (laughs) and they yeah I think it was called Tribute that sounds like a one.
0: Yeah, and then I... There's other ones that I've, like, the only one off the top of my head that I can think of the actual title of is The Collector. Um, but there are other good Nora Roberts books out there. So if you like Renata or, like, this doesn't sound like it's my jam, there's so much Nora out there that I'm sure you'll find one that is your jam.
1: Yeah, and if you liked kind of the idea of this, I would definitely dive into the J.D. Robb books because I think mm. she just does it much better now. So... That's yeah. a whole series that you can get into.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, I'm again. I'm cutting her slack because she is our lady, and because this is from 1988, and and we've grown as a culture since then.
1: And if if you like the kind of hacking element, she does have a book uh, called The Witness, where the woman protagonist is kind of does a lot of computer stuff. That book does, however, contain the male protagonist that I hate the most out of any Norm Roberts book ever. <laughs> So just heads up for that. <laughs> Yikes.
2: We'll, we'll have these and maybe some other ones if we think of them up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. This is, let's be honest, not a particularly strong readers advisory segment. And we'll just move on from it and play The Rock Paper Snicked, the game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Christine can choose which most enhances the book or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is.
0: Okay. Uh, So one of the things actually that we didn't mention is that Fantasy Incorporated is actually a mom and pop business. Yeah, Uh, It is run by Eileen and her husband and her husband's sister. And her husband's sister is like in college and is like doing filing for them as like a part-time job. It's adorable. But so if The Rock was in this book, Uh, He would be Eileen's husband, and he would be there with her when the cops came to question them at Fantasy Incorporated. And once it becomes clear that the murders are related to the phone sex workers working at Fantasy Incorporated, he would team up with Grace to help solve the murders while the police are holding their own investigation. Uh, He would be very involved with helping her set up her line to impersonate Desiree slash her sister and of course at some point during this I don't know where but you know there would be a way to fit it in uh, he would give a talk about fat phobia to the assembled characters and yes obviously of course would help Grace bring down like the weirdo teen serial killer
2: well if Wolverine were in this book he would meet Mary aka Roxanne when they would they would both be like, out at a restaurant and both be by themselves so they would like be eating at the bar and they would both just have like enormous hamburgers and wolverine would be like hey i like i like your style i like your enormous hamburger do you want to fuck and then they would not at the restaurant but like in a cave or something and they would go to a second location and you know it would be enjoyable and mary would gain some not And look, I'm not saying you need to have a man to get some self-esteem, but it seems like that is what Mary needed. And so she would be like, oh my God, like fat people can have sex. I can like leave my house and go in public and like people will think that I'm attractive. And she will become self-actualized enough to go out and start becoming an IRL slut. And she can quit Fantasy Incorporated or keep doing it if she wants to. But really, Wolverine would just help Mary get out of her shell and realize that like fat people can fuck too and I don't know, Ed and Ben could still solve this murder or whatever the fuck, I don't care
1: yeah so honestly, I think this is a a case where both of these would have to be included I just think both of them is, is what we
2: really have to go with, it just that's what I'm feeling, guys I mean, you, you do know that's against the rules, but also you know, it's the first episode of 2022, and this book did need, in my opinion, a lot of help. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: it just needs, it's just one or the other, it's not enough, let's start 2022 off with, with both The Rock and Wolverine.
2: All right, you know what, I, let's do it. Let's do a, a giant fist and claw fist bump in television.
1: Yes. Like, imagine the Netflix series with this in it,
0: right? It would be amazing. Yes.
2: Yes. Okay. What do we think, real quick? What do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, definitely, don't live in DC.
0: Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, my moral, however, is that phone calls are bad.
2: Mm. Uh, mine is kind of a meta moral, which is don't put people on pedestals. And I think that is something like that Ed learns about Grace in the book, but it's also like something that I had to learn about Nora Roberts. It's something that I think we've learned. I think we like briefly we didn't really have Matthew McConaughey on a pedestal but we like thought he was cool and then he was like maybe an anti-vaxxer and then he like backpedaled that and then like The Rock is friends with Jeff Bezos apparently like all of our heroes have these feet of clay and uh, you know we just shouldn't have tried to like elevate any of them above us I think is really what I've learned for 2022. That's deep. Yeah good advice to take
0: in a 2022. Yeah. So let just, just keep living. <laughs>
2: you know, and and just keep growing cuz again the rock and Matthew McConaughey that shit was like within the last year. This was a long time ago and I do think probably Nora isn't at least so actively phobic anymore and she does still love cops though, but yeah, but I do I know is certainly in the
1: JD Robs I can think of several characters that she introduces. I mean they're minor characters but they meet in the book where she talks about Larger women in a very kind of sexy, attractive way, not in this sort of like this was a surprise to read this because I have read
2: characters where she's done the complete opposite. Yeah. So, you know, growth is possible. You can give people a chance to grow and change and write hundreds more novels. That's fine.
1: Yeah. She only had 60 million novels in print when this came out. So, <laughs> up to like almost 300 million now. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to someone who never disappoints me, except for when he actively tries to sabotage the podcast, which he hasn't done tonight. And that is, of course, Duarte, my cat. Uh, We'll turn to Duarte's corner and have Duarte give his opinions on the book. I know, I... Like, when that guy Jonathan murdered a cat, I truly was like, oh, surely he has done all the crimes. He should be arrested. And he got—he seemed to get away with everything, frankly.
0: But I am glad, uh, like you said, that uh, cats do later on get some positive representation when we meet Mrs. Kleppinger and all of her cats. And it is total bullshit. You're right, Duarte, that Netflix got that out of the movie. So sad.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna cancel my Netflix. <laughs> Ridiculous.
2: Yeah, all those conservatives canceled it because of Alyssa Milano, but we're canceling it. We're starting our own separate counter boycott <laughs> that yeah. is morally superior. Mrs. Clevenger or bust. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask if we have closing thoughts, and I kind of feel like that is it. Is yeah. Mrs.
0: Clevenger or bust? <laughs> Uh, anything else though nope i might try to watch the movie i was gonna try it today but i ran out of time
2: i was gonna suggest doing like a podcast watch along and now i'm like i don't really want to watch it again it's like <laughs> fine we'll find something better or worse it's it
1: every time i watch one of these movies i'm just like guys could you just one less sexy just one
0: when will they ask you to show run a Nora Roberts series?
1: I that's what I'm saying. Like I'm on this podcast, what else do they need?
2: <laughs> yeah, you're you're an influencer. Submit this as your resume.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, once I figure out how like Twitter works and everything, guys, I'm going to be unstoppable.
0: Yes. Submit this and your Nora Roberts PowerPoints and that's oh, all yeah. they're going to need cuz they're great. That's right, I should. I'll just,
1: both of them, my TED Talks.
2: (laughs) Well, if you'd like to come and join us in our campaign, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, at Worst Bestseller, spelled normally. Um, We're on Twitter, at Worst Bestseller with no S, because the S went to Gerald's James. (laughs) He, he needed a he, well he he hacked us and stole the ass it's Charles james Charles <laughs> james <laughs> <laughs> um we have a goodreads group that's about best access by going to our website worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the goodreads link
0: you can subscribe to us at stitcher apple podcasts amazon spotify all of the places where you get your podcasts You can subscribe there, as I'm sure you know. And if you do, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up in the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review, then we are going to hack your phone lines and steal your credit card numbers to buy flowers for other people's funerals. And you'll definitely get in trouble over that somehow. We also have a Patreon that you can access by going to patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for new equipment, pay for our web hosting, pay for an accountant as tax season rolls around. Mm. (laughs) And uh, in return, there are all sorts of perks like a newsletter, postcards, stickers in the mail, all kinds of things. And uh, finally, we do have a Discord server. There's a link to it on worstbestsellers.com, and you can go there and join folks in talking about all sorts of uh, worst bestsellers related stuff. And we have a merch shop. It's I'm so my brain is so dead from the podcasting break. I forgot the order that I say this part in. We we do have merch available. You can see, find the link to that on worstbestsellers.com too. Thanks. <laughs>
2: Uh you can find me and Dora Dave personally on Twitter and Instagram at Renata Snacks.
0: You can sort of find me on social media at 14 Across. I'm sort of taking a social media break, but I do hang out in the Discord. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter
1: occasionally at C E underscore Ricketts. If you want to shout more Nora stuff at me. I love it. Yeah.
2: yeah, if you want to get her trending so she can um you know work for Netflix. <laughs> why <Write> these movies. <laughs> And we will be back in two weeks with another Nora Roberts book. Uh, This one's called, uh, this is another bad title, actually. We're going to be reading Carnal Innocence by Nora Roberts. So enjoy
1: it. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Bye.
1: Bye. Bye, guys.
0: We're back. We're back, guys.